Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it's a delight and an honor to be with you. Brings back lots of memories. Uh, most of them good. Some hard. Most of them encouraging. And I will use, you just have to forgive me because I, this is kind of a memory lane morning for me. And um, I know I don't know all of you for 30 years, but if you'll just put up with me if I reference some of that, because I think it can serve a point. The point being God is with us, what Jamie just said. So, um, yeah, Jamie sent an email to me and asked if I was available to come and be with you and um, worked out that we could do this on this um, Sunday. And I'm so thankful. That was about a month ago, a little better. And it got me thinking, what in the world am I going to say? Um, it's not like I can blow in and give a nice resume because I spent eight, nine years there and some of those people know me. And um, I can't fool them too much. So, um, and then some don't at all. Maybe you've heard my name, but um, just was praying, Lord, what, what do you have for us that will, that will help us all? That will be good for us. And the first thing that came to my mind was 33 years. Wow. My son here was four at the time. And now he's got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Isn't it Bob Seeger saying something like 20 years now, where they've gone? Where they, I don't know, something along that line. 30 years. Um, just thinking about the time really made me grateful that there is no end in heaven and we'll have time to hear everyone's story and, and to just be so glad and grateful for what, how God has led us all the way. I felt like the Apostle Paul a little bit, you remember, he had these missionary trips and he would go into a city and start a church and then he'd do that for a while and come back to Jerusalem or someplace and then he'd go off because he, he'd want to visit them again. And um, I feel like that, and I'm not claiming to be Apostle Paul at all, I'm not doing that, but it, it, does, it does stir in my heart a desire like, wow, I'm really looking forward to going back and seeing some people that I know and getting to know some new people where God has been at work. So that's how I come to you this morning, very humbled, very grateful, very thankful. Um, God used us to start, and I'm okay with what Jamie said. Joy is definitely the, the star in, you know, in the couple here. I'm, I'm glad I'm, I was a notch above the, the other individual, so God prepared you. If I'd have been here first, you'd been looking for someone else, because we started where we did, I, I, could, uh, I, could, I could make that grade then. So. Um, this morning, I'm just going to kind of share some more of random thoughts with you about things that have been important to me in the last few years. Um, 
and I'm trying to keep them simple because the older I get, the more simple I like life to be. Um, so I was thinking, why, why, why did Jesus come? Why, why are we doing any of this? Because this takes a lot of work, takes a lot of money, takes a lot of effort, volunteers. Why? why? And uh, Jesus answered that question. He said, I've come, I came to earth. I came here so that you could have an abundant life. Now that's pretty simple, isn't it? He said that in John chapter 10, verse 10. Other versions translate it like, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness, rich and satisfying life. Or I came that you might have an eternal kind of life, more and better than you ever dreamed. So in, in one sense, I mean, Jesus said, I, I, I've come from heaven to earth so that people might have a better life. And when I got thinking about that, in a very, very small way, the reason Joy and I moved from Dallas, Texas, where I was teaching at Dallas Seminary, to South Boston, Virginia, years and years ago, was I was praying that God would use me to help some people's lives be a little better. And then that got me thinking, well, what makes a better life? Because there are lots of answers to that one question. Um, Right now, a better life for me would be not to have thrown my back out trying to practice golf swings after 10 years of never doing that. Uh, I'm 67 now in my body. So when I'm, I'm walking around stiff, yes, it's because I'm 67, but it's also because I got a really bad back uh, that North Myrtle Beach messed up with me trying to learn how to improve my golf game. Didn't work. Well, that'd be better, but that's not... I don't think Jesus came to say, I came so Jim could have a better golf game. Maybe that was in the cards, but maybe I doubt it. I think it's much more than that. In other words, when you think of, Jesus basically saying, I came that people could have a better quality of life. What's a good life for you? What's a better quality of life? It's fine and good to have money and influence and respect of others and maybe a second or third home or a nice vehicle or a good golf game. Meaningful employment. There's lots of answers to what makes up a good life. But Jesus answered that question too. I came that you might here to have a good life and here's what a good life is. That you figure out how to love God and your neighbor as yourself. Because if you can get that one down, you're in good shape. So in other words, the quality of your life is going to depend on the quality of your relationships. Now I think back about what Joy and I were driving around. We got in late last night and driving around some this morning. And <clears throat> some things have changed, some things not. I think, what made my life good here in South Boston? Because it really was good. And <clears throat> it wasn't the fine cuisine. I mean, I, we've had it, you know. Grapevine was the hot spot back there uh, 30 years ago, whenever. Uh, um, uh, you know, it wasn't that. 
But what made life so well was, was quality relationships. People. And learning how to love them and to be loved by them. So the quality of your life right now is hanging on the quality of your relationships. Starts out with your relationship with God. Your relationship with others. And as Jesus said, your relationship with yourself. Because we can do a lot of hiding and dodging and weaving because we don't want to be with me. We're scared or afraid or ashamed of me. I had some wonderful relationships. Um, it started with Bill and Linda Sneed somehow contacting, and I was in Dallas, and, and uh, they said, well, why don't you fly over here and take a look at us? And I said, okay. So you'll fly into Danville Airport. And I'm thinking, okay, Dallas to Danville. And I, so I started describing what Joy and I look like to Bill. And he said, Jim, I, I, don't, I don't think we'll have a hard time picking you out. <laughs> at Danville Airport. I think there are five of us on the plane and we figured everyone out. So. And then uh, Leggett's Bottom was flooded. So we had to go, good night, we went through backcountry to get over here. I still remember that. Like, yeah, I grew up in Canada, it was kind of, you know, it's kind of in the bush there, but this, you know, this kind of reminds me of home. We're on the sticks. And then we got to Billy's Steakhouse. And then we got, I think we got to the Hueys and we met some people and, and it just went from there. So you can have a lot of things in life. You can have the beach house. You can have a great business. You can have great influence. But it all doesn't mean much, does it? if your relationships aren't going well. I talk with a lot of pastors, that's my job. My job is pastoring pastors. And um, not one of them comes to me and talks to me because I'm just having so much trouble with, with trying to figure out what propitiation means. Like, okay. No one asks those kinds of questions about doctors. Every single one comes to me because they say, I'm having a hard time figuring out my relationships. So my encouragement to you, if you want a good life, the abundant life that Jesus talked about, then, then let's delve into how to do that by having good relationships. As he said, love God, love your neighbor, yourself. I had some good ones. I, I had good relationships with the leadership of our church. I wasn't going to name names, but I am now. So, um, you know, but I, I was just encouraged by, like, Phil Ramsey was a great encouragement to me, sitting right over here, just in case you don't know him. Um, he would encourage me with my sermons. He would say, Jim, every sermon you preach is better than the next. And I thought, thank you, Phil. And then I started thinking about that. That doesn't sound good, as good as I thought it was to begin with. But that's one of the ways he encouraged me. So good news for you is I'm only preaching once. It's not, this is as good as it gets right now. So Quality of relationships. 
See, we were created in the image of a relational social God, a triune God, God Father, God Son, God Spirit. And because we're created in the image of that kind of God, at our core, we are relational beings. And, and if our core needs for relationship, for connection, are not being met well, something is off, and we know it, and we feel it, and we can get pretty desperate to try to fix it. Jesus said, I, basically, Jesus said, I've come that you might have a really good life because I'm going to help you be a better lover. That's why he came. To make us better lovers. And first of all, he wants us to love him. Connect with him. Commune with him. Connect in friendship and fellowship with others. So I got thinking, well, I want that quality of life. I've had a lot of that through the years. Been very blessed. I've had some really good relationships. But I've also, um, I've also disappointed and hurt people along the way. Uh, so just because I want quality relationships, just because I want to love God well, want to love you well, want to love myself appropriately, doesn't mean that I can do it. I always wanted to dunk a basketball. I thought that, I thought that just looked cool. To just get up there and boom. I'm a slow white boy that can't jump. I mean, I never... I never had that capacity. If the quality of my life is, the, is hinging on the capacity to, to be in relationships well, then that means I, the capacity of my life, the quality of my life is depending on the, my capacity to love and be loved. Because it's pretty hard to be in good relationships where you don't love and are loved well. If you're so defensive, if you're so angry, so reactive, so judging, so ashamed. So I got thinking, and I said, well, the quality of my life depends on the quality of my relationships, but the quality of my relationships depends on my capacity to love and be loved. And I thought, well, Jesus said something about that through his apostle John. He said, um, we've learned how to love because God loved us first. In other words, if you want to be a better lover, be more in touch with how God has loved you. That sacrificial love, where he kind of gave it all, didn't he? He put it all on the line. My capacity to love and be loved depends on being in touch with God's love for me. But then I thought, well, I want to be more in touch with God's love for me, but sometimes I'm scared. And I realize my capacity to be loved hinges on my capacity and my ability to trust. Because when I trust, I'm very vulnerable. And I can't love well without being vulnerable.
to trust wisely, to trust well. Interesting, I've got grandkids now and I'm watching them grow up and I think about Eric Erickson who was a sociologist years ago. He said the first task of the human soul is to learn how to trust. So when you get a little baby or even a three-year-old and they're upset, you don't sit them down and say, let me tell you, son, you're, you're three years old now. Wait till you're 33. Then you'll have something to be upset about. You don't say to a baby, get over it. Yeah, I know you have dirty diapers, but get over it or control yourself. That's not what you do because kids don't learn how to trust in that kind of environment. What do you do with a baby? You hold them. You soothe them. And if you don't do that, then you got a problem as a parent. You try to soothe them. You know why? Because God gave that little baby, just like he gave you, gave that baby mirror neurons. And those mirror neurons literally are watching you, watching your facial expression, and they're borrowing your brain. They're mirroring back to me what you're doing to me. So when you coo and, 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 and try to calm me, and say sweet nothings to me, my neuron, neurons say, oh, okay, I can calm down now because I feel this emotional connection. And when I can calm down and it feels safe, that starts giving me the ability to trust. And that's the first task of a kid and the first goal of a parent is to helping their kid trust well and wisely. Because when they can do that, then they can open themselves later up in life to relationships. They can be vulnerable enough to actually be loved. Isn't it interesting? What's the first invitation of the gospel? What's the first thing God tells us through Christ that we must do? Trust me. <laughs> It's like we're the little kids now spiritually, and God is saying, I, I, I need you to trust me. Can you trust me? Because if you can start trusting me, it's going to really help you. It's going to really help you connect well with others later on. I said, well, I, I, I kind of I want in on that. I know for me, trusting has been a, <laughs> that's been a challenging thing. I can trust as long as I'm in control of things. Yeah, I got it then. I had to find out, well, that's not really trust. That's control. And how do relationships go when you're always trying to control, Jim? They don't even go well for me like that. Because they're not as rewarding as being vulnerable. What God's wanting us to do is, can we, and that's why he's always in Scripture, he's just saying, can you be a vulnerable kid with me? Can you just be honest with me? Can you trust that I love you so much that you can't surprise me with anything and you can't make me love you less than I do? That's hard to believe, isn't it? But that's why God sent his son Jesus for us to try to learn that lesson, that we can trust him, because he's trustworthy, 
and, we're, and we can learn from that. And because, because I'm always asking questions, always pushing back on myself, I said, well, that's a good, you know, that's a good thing, Jim, for you to say, let's talk about our ability to trust and do that well, okay? But I thought, you know what, how do I, <laughs> I'm not a baby anymore. My mom's passed away. Joy gets tired of holding me. I'm too heavy for her lap, you know, that <laughs> she tries to calm me down a little bit. How can I learn to trust? And that's where um, I think that's the, the, the main lesson I want you to leave with this morning. That if you're going to have a quality of life that Jesus wants you to have by knowing how to love others well because you know have the capacity to love them because you know how to trust. And what Jesus is saying this morning is, I want you to trust me, and I know that can be hard. And that's been incredibly hard for some people in this room that I know about. They've lost children. They've lost a spouse. How, how do you trust when things are bad like that? Because the only way I'm going to develop my capacity to trust, and thus my capacity to love, and thus a good life, is to believe that there's someone that's holding me that's bigger than me that's got it all under control. In other words, I have to see my life, my story held in another story, held by a loving cosmic parent, a trustworthy God. Jesus said, my father knows when a sparrow dies. How much more does he know about you and your problems? I want you to trust me that he knows all about it and that he cares. And that's the point of the Bible, trying to get us to believe that God really trusts us. So I'll leave you with what I think is one of the most powerful examples of learning to trust. Powerful examples in the Bible. And you know what? It comes early. It comes, it comes in the first book in the Bible. It comes in Genesis. And it's about 13, 14 chapters of Genesis. It's about 25, 30% of the book of Genesis. It's all about this one guy. The one guy's name is Joseph. I've been very fascinated because... Uh, I saw, re-saw some pictures of the Hubble telescope. You've seen that? Pictures where Hubble's taken of the, of the universe, and it's just these colors, and it's just beautiful pictures. And um, I said, man, I'd like to know more about that. I'm going to go find out what the Bible has to say about that. And you get five words in Genesis. He made the stars also. Really? That's all you're going to tell me, God, about this whole vast universe? Oh, it's a throwaway line. Oh, by the way, I made the stars too. In other words, God doesn't think that's so much so important for us. But he does think it's very important for us to hunker down with Joseph for 14 chapters. And you know why? 
is because by the end of the book of Genesis, and the, toward the end where Joseph comes, uh, makes some, his final statement of his life, what does he say to his brothers? When they've all wound up in Egypt, his dad has died, his brothers are still scared, that Joseph's going to do something bad to him. Joseph says this, here's how I'd summarize my life to you, brothers. What do you say? You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God's putting 14 chapters in the book of Genesis about Joseph to teach us. If you can wind up in life having that script for your story, that no matter what comes my way, God's got me, and it's going to be okay. If you can learn that one, boy, you're going to have a quality of life that's really good. Doesn't mean everything's going to go your way, but you'll know how to have good relationships because you're so confident that you're held in God's story that is a story of love for you, that you can love others. He didn't get there overnight. Remember the story of Joseph? His brothers hated him. His dad gave him a coat. His dad, it just says it. His dad favored Joseph. There's nothing like a family of a bunch of boys, and dad chooses one, say, that's my favorite. Well, that's, that's really going to go over well. They hated him so much that they threw him down this well. We're going to kill him. And then they said, no, let's monetize his life. So they sold him off. I don't think Joseph is saying, as they're throwing him in the well, in the pit, and then they're pulling him out to sell him to some traveling salesmen are headed to Egypt. He's not saying, all cool guys, I know you mean this for evil, but God's got it. It's all good. I'm sure Joseph's saying, if there's any way, by any chance I get out of this, I'm coming for you. That's what I'd be saying. He gets down to Egypt. He does well. And uh, his, his boss is, not his boss, his, he's a slave, and his owner says, has his wife, and she comes after him, Joseph. She tries to seduce him, and he, he avoids her, and she blames him, and uh, gets him thrown into prison for, what, 13 years, something like that? I don't think Joseph's saying, oh, this is cool. Prison is so good. You, know, you mean it for evil, Potiphar's wife, but God's got this. All good. Then this baker and this butler are thrown into prison and they have dreams and Joseph interprets a dream and says, Baker, sorry, you, your baking didn't measure up. You're going to die. Pharaoh's going to get after you, kill you in three days. Butler, he likes you. You'll be back at your work. But please remember me when you get back there that I, I, I don't belong here. And it goes down like Joseph said it would in the dreams. Two years later, the pharaoh has some more dreams, and the butler says, oh me, oh my, I forgot. I promised a guy in prison that I, that I would tell you that he's in there unfairly, unjustly. He interpreted my dream, and um, yeah, I, I don't think Joseph in that two years is saying, oh man, this is just so cool to wait on God for, two, for all this time for me to get out of here. You mean it for evil, God meant it for good. My point is this. 
It takes time to learn how to trust well. But it, you learn to trust well by doing every day. Making yourself available to the Lord. Because you know how it ended up. And just in one day, Joseph goes from a prisoner to literally the second in command of all of Egypt. And he could begin to look back and say, I didn't understand all the pieces of the puzzle. But I'm beginning to see, no matter how someone means it for evil, God's got me. It's going to be okay. And when you can get to that point, when you can trust like that, that's going to develop your capacity to love, that's going to help your relationships, that's going to give you a quality of life you want. I can't, I'm 60, like I said, 67 now, and I can look back and I can begin to put some pieces together of the puzzle. Some of the pieces I really don't like, they're ugly, they're bad. But my God is so big that God can take all the pieces, no matter what they are, and put them together and make it look good. And he's saying, I want you to trust me with that. I didn't know all the pieces of the puzzle, even just moving to South Boston. But I, I, I wouldn't have the daughter-in-law I have if we hadn't been in South Boston. My son, when we're in the Chicago area, getting ready to go to school, does he go to a school that gives him a little scholarship money, you know, Indiana Business School? No, no. Dad, I want to live out west. I'm going to University of Arizona. Goes out there, I cry when I drop him off. His parting words to me was, Dad, it's been fun. I think, okay. <laughs> it's been fun, yeah, yeah, it has. I remember playing and golf, we've had some good time. And he's on that floor, and he doesn't know it, but his future wife's on that floor. Well, the same dorm, same year, but they just never meet each other. Go all the way through school, don't meet each other. A couple years after school, a guy from South Boston is out in Southern California where Justin is living now. His name is Ben Fincher. I don't know, the Fincher, I don't know if the Fincher's is still a store. Okay. Ben, the, the kid that grew up with Justin, he's out there with some of his friends. I think some of your, your kids. And Ben is dating a girl, and they're going to have a birthday party or something. And the girl says, well, I'll bring my friend. And Ben says, well, I'm going to invite my friend from South Boston, too, Justin Cofield. It's amazing that we're out here like this. And Ben's girlfriend's friend is Christina and Justin wind, they wind up at a party like God saying golly you couldn't get together when I had you on the same floor the same dorm at the University of Arizona so I gotta, I gotta bring Ben Fincher out from South Boston Southern California to set this thing up how 
How, how do you put pieces of the, a puzzle like that together? And that, that, that's, just, that's just one. I, I want to try to encourage you as best I can. God's got your story. And you don't know how it all fits together yet. But you can trust him that he's working it all for good. The story of this church. I was here eight, nine years. Then Dane came and was here, what, 24 years? An amazing run as a pastor. And I know you're hurting because you, you've lost, lost a pastor for 24 years. I, I don't know how that all fits together. I don't know how the pain of all that works. But I do know this. If we can get to where Joseph got, believing that God's got me, I can trust it. If we can get there, we're going to be okay. Well, I better quit, okay? Um, thank you for hearing some of the thoughts of my life. God be with all of you. I can't wait till we get to heaven when we can, we will see how it all fits together. And we'll just say, Jesus, wow. Thank you. In the meantime, let's live as if that's true, because it is. And since it's true, we can have more joy and peace and love and patience and goodness and kindness. The fruit of the Spirit can be much more manifest because we're okay. We know God's got it. We know he cares enough for me to come, to be born, to live, to die to be raised, to go back to heaven, to send his spirit to help me live here now. So God be with you in whatever you're facing. May you grow in your faith, your hope, and your love. To his glory. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.